Praise the Lord. May be seated this morning. So good to see you in God's house. Amen. Hallelujah. God's been faithful to us this week. Amen. I know a lot's going on out there. Lots going on everywhere. The world's gotten uh, a little complicated over the past few months. But God is faithful. Amen. Amen. God is always faithful. Praise the Lord. Amen. And it's good to see you in God's house today. Amen. Amen. For us, this counts as a good crowd today. We're, we're glad you're here. Amen. Um, just a moment, you're going to open your Bibles to the prophet Hosea, chapter 5. While you're, you're doing that, I'll just remind you, uh, if you want to give, we have a, a box there in the back that you can place your gift, tithe, offering, mission, whatever. And that box, if you're listening to us on, uh, on the phone this morning or on your computer, you can go to our website, lhcogfl.org. There you can give through Givelify or PayPal or uh, however you like. You can mail it to the church address or whichever way God lets you uh, or gives you to give. We're grateful. We're thankful. I appreciate your faithfulness. I was thinking, actually thinking about it this morning. Um, I know Broward County has uh, uh, issued some new guidelines for private in-home gatherings. As of now, that does not affect us, but we suspect they have us in their sights and will get around to us here shortly. But I'm a little more confident this time. I, I, I'll say it this way. I've always had confidence in God. Amen. Yes. But, you know, whenever you go through a new experience, you're not really exactly sure how it's all going to come together. You know, God's going to sort it out, but Amen. you're just not sure how it's all going to work out. But if the county or the city does once again uh, ask us to stand down, we will. We, we, we will comply with all of our civil authorities, as we did before. And a lot of churches have already done so voluntarily. And uh, I'm thinking about that. And I'm, I, the Lord, I'm asking God for help with that. But uh, I know that if it comes to that again, we've been through that before. And God helped us. And he took care of us. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not that, I'm not as concerned as, as, as I was the first time. I know my God and he's, he's proven that he'll, he'll get us through any situation. Of course we do, we do enjoy coming together. I do. And I want to continue to do so for as long as we can. As long as it's safe. And I appreciate you all wearing your mask. I appreciate you spreading out. Yeah, you know, if the, if the popo was to show up, you know, we, they, they wouldn't be able to give us a ticket. That'd be good. Uh, and we appreciate that. And uh, you taking the precautions, washing your hands with sanitizers and 
If you're not feeling good, just stay home. Someone in your family, we've got a couple of fam- people probably listening to us right now who've got some family that weren't feeling very well. So they're, they're okay, they're, but they're, they're taking precaution, as is wise to do so. So I think as long as we behave, right, we'll, we'll be okay. But I'm just praying for God to end this thing, just, just end it. I, I, my sympathy for the people who are suffering is one piece of that, but I'm just weary. I'm just, I'm just weary of the whole thing. Amen. You know, you just like one of those long, hot summers that just never ends. <laughs> you just, you keep looking at, you keep looking at the weather report. When is there going to be a break? And there's just never a break. Uh, God knows our limitations. I know He won't push us beyond our capability, but sometimes His His sometimes His opinion of my capabilities is is quite a bit higher than my own. So uh, we're going to try to to stay uh, in 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 person gathering for as long as we can, and then when we can't, you know what we'll do, and God will help us through all of it. Amen. Amen. All right. Also, let me remind you before we get into Scripture this morning to be on the prayer call this afternoon at 530. We need to pray. We're still in a period of intercession. I know we had a day of intercession last Sunday, and thank you so much for for being part of that. But it can't just be a day. It can't just be an hour. It can't just be sort of when the mood strikes. We need to stay in an attitude of intercession, day in and day out, week in and week out, until this thing breaks. Until this thing breaks, we have got to stay. uh, The church's role, the church's function, the the ministry that will will, uh, be the best testimony to us and be the best testimony to Christ is to continue to intercede for our nation, for the nations of the world, to be the salt and be the light, to stand between heaven and earth, and uh, hopefully turn away this, uh, this, this situation. And we know, um, we know the medical community is really stressed. Businesses are stressed. Uh, the, the, the police, of course, have been going in the fire, and all the first responders have just been you know, I, I just I pray for them. I pray for them. They're just go, you know, just dealing with so much people, people in the streets, and it's just a really difficult time in our nation. And the church needs to continue standing in the gap for all sides. We're not taking sides in any of this. We're on the Lord's side. Amen. Amen. And we we, we just we pray for our leaders, however, <laughs> however they are. We pray for them. And God, will, God will get things done, get things accomplished. But uh, I think, for me personally, just coming here every Sunday, seeing you, getting into God's Word—it's such a comfort to me. It's such a strength, and uh, I thank God for that. So let's open the Bibles this morning to Hosea chapter five. We're only going to read one verse there, verse fifteen, and then we're going to move straight into verse into chapter six. And uh, God's got a word for us, I believe, that's for this hour, for this moment. 
Also, don't forget Wednesday nights, Bible study, 745, Revelation. We're, 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 in the, we're, in the, we're in the middle of it now. We're in the beast part. So you want to be part of that as well. Hosea 5.15 says, I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. This is the Lord speaking. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Let's move down to chapter 6. Come and let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. May God's blessings rest upon the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to, to gather uh, in person here and, and over the airwave, over the phone lines today with all of the saints of God this morning. We thank you so much for the family of God that is able to come together for this hour. And we just pray that your presence and your spirit would be among us. Now, Lord, we just ask you to touch this word, anoint this word this morning. Let the anointing flow freely and clearly this morning. God, every heart, every mind, let it be receptive to God's spirit this morning. Touch the one who speaks, God. You know his conditions, his weaknesses, God. Use him as your instrument. And, Father, we just pray that this word would take root and it would bear fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. The church agrees. Amen. The prophet Hosea uh, ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel during a, a time of, of, of great difficulty and, and apostasy and spiritual adultery in the land. We were talking a little bit last week about that kingdom. We were talking about Elijah. If you remember last week, we were talking about how Ahab had, uh, had taken the kingdom in a in a direction that was anti-God and, and anti-covenant. And the fruit of that, after a number of generations, was that there was very little, very little of the original faith, of the original covenant uh, remaining in the nation of Israel. Politically, socially, economically, the nation had become uh, pretty much just like all of the other nations Around them, they had uh, sort of absorbed that Canaanite, that that worldly culture that uh, that uh, was so dominant in in their land, and including adopting many of the uh, idolatrous practices. And we talked a lot about that last week, and I'm not going to go too deeply into that today. I think we all understand. And let me just say, uh, let me just say this in, in, in sort of a 
a general way. It doesn't necessarily have to apply to every single church or denomination in the United States of America, but we know just as the generations have gone on here that the fires of revival and, the, and restoration and renewal in America have, have, have sort of uh, have, have cooled down quite a bit. And America has returned, the churches of America have returned to, uh, or, or have turned to, uh, some ungodly uh, ways and some ungodly uh, attitudes in, in many respects. And, and as I've been trying to communicate more and more, more and more, it, it, I don't know, the Lord is not showing me everything, and, and certainly He is, he is uh, I know He's speaking to a lot of people. But more and more about what is happening in our nation at this moment, in my mind, more and more of it is about the condition of the church than it really is about the condition of the the nation itself. I I think before God can get a hold of the nation, he's got to get a hold of his own people. And when you look at the progress or the, if you just look at the way that the church itself, I speak generally speaking, not any one particular denomination. I'm not, this is not about a church of God or, or Baptist or Presbyterian. I'm just talking about all of God's people. The sum total of those who claim to follow Jesus Christ. Um, the last few generations here in America have seen a great departure, a great falling away, if you will, from biblical, historical Christianity. Uh, and it's not a liberal, conservative thing because both sides have their faults and errors. It's not a question of personal holiness against social justice. All, all these false divisions that, the, 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 that people like to create, it, it's never been about those things. And, and, and those, are, those, are, uh, false, uh, uh, those are false dichotomies. Those are false uh, uh, things that get thrown out there to make one side feel like uh, the other side is the problem. No, it's not the other side is the problem. We are the problem. Because we as a church are one body in the eyes of God. And when you look at this situation, you know that within the true church there are false professors and, and, and apostates and those that are not of the true faith. And that's always been the case going all the way back to Simon there in, in, in Samaria. And by the way, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting to me and the connection I almost made immediately. If, if you go back to Ahab, go back to Omri, and, and that, uh, that story, Ahab's father Omri, uh, the, 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 the changing of the political dynasty in Israel. You remember, we know the story. After Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became king and, uh, and, and, and put a lot of burden on the people and, and tried to live a very lavish uh, lifestyle and, 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 and really did not ease the burdens of, of the everyday person in, in the nation. And so there was a rebellion. Jeroboam took the ten tribes, every tribe except Judah and Benjamin, and they and made himself king, and, and there was a civil war, a split. And Jeroboam's concern was that as long as the people continued to go to Jerusalem to worship at the house of David, that eventually they'd want to reunite and reconcile, and that would not be for good for his posterity. So uh, he created a, a, an alternate place of worship in Samaria. 
All right? And so I want you to focus on that, that, that connection there. His family eventually lost the dynasty because of their sins. And uh, a man named Zimri uh, murdered the last of Jeroboam's grandchildren and took control of the kingdom. And uh, he ruled for seven days. And when the captain of the army that had been fighting the Philistines found that, that this man had killed the king, this captain of the army, his name was Omri. And Omri led his army back and besieged the, 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 the treasonous Zimri. And after seven days, Zimri gave up. He, he set fire to the king's house. And he burned himself, committed suicide by burning. Don't tell me the Old Testament don't have some good stories. I mean, you watch the, you'd watch this on TV, wouldn't you? you you'd, watch, you'd, you'd watch a miniseries about this. Zimri burned the house down around his head and committed suicide there. And so with all of the things that had been associated with uh, 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 that situation and the, and the children of Jeroboam and their wickedness, Omri decided we need a new capital. So he went to a man named Shemer and he bought a hill. And the name of the hill was Samaria. And that word Samaria, which was located in the tribe of Ephraim, became synonymous with idolatry. Because it was there that Ahab, Omri's son, and Jezebel, and all those other kings began to, to commit the holotries. So, so after all of this has happened, God, we're several generations away now. We're, 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 we're well down the line. This is a hundred years later. God raises up Hosea as a prophet to Israel. And you'll notice, you'll read the prophets, and, and you'll notice they'll call Israel, sometimes they'll call it Ephraim, sometimes they'll call it Samaria, sometimes they'll call it, and this is one you may not even understand what it means, they'll call it Jezreel. And you wonder, why in the world are they calling Israel Jezreel? Well, Jezreel was the son of Hosea. And he was, and Hosea had this calling from God, and he said, Pastor, this is a wonderful history lesson. What does that mean this to do with intercession? I want to talk, we're talking about intercession. Hosea was not simply called to be a, a, a praying intercessor. He was called to be a living intercessor. And one of the strangest stories in your Bible, God tells Hosea to go down to the house of prostitution and take one of the prostitutes as his wife. Now you think, that's kind of a, that's kind of a strange, but you know, well, well maybe he, he's sending, you know, it's kind of like, a, uh, maybe he's sending her to, he's sending Hosea to save her, right? No, he, she's still a prostitute. But now she's married to Hosea. Why does God do this to Hosea? Because he wants to send a message. He is telling Israel, this is what it's like to be your God. You are my wife, but you are constantly sleeping around with all the other idols and all the other false gods of the land. Well, I tell you what, be careful. I told you last week, be very careful about this intercessory business because God's going to ask some things of you that are not going to be pleasant. I can't even imagine what Hosea's home life looks like. It must have been such a burden. But he has three children with this woman, Gomer. And the first of these children, his name is Jezreel. God says, call him Jezreel, because he is, because through him I am going to show, the Jezreel needs to show something. God is going to, God is going to show you 
who you are, what you are. God is going to show you the way things really are. I pray right now, God, give us a spirit of discernment and clarity to really understand the hour that we're living in. You'll understand. Because of her associations with and her political uh, uh, connections and her political treaties, Israel at this time superficially appeared to be at a time of peace and prosperity. You know, she had good, she had good connections. The house of Ahab, the house of uh, Omri, had, had, had uh, married into the Sidonian kings of, uh, of Jezebel's line, and so they had this, this familial uh, connection, kind of, you know, everybody's obsessed with the royals today, right? Like when, when Prince William or Harry or Henry or whoever they are marries this, and this is, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is the royals BC version, right? They're all married into all these different families, and this new power Assyria has come down, made some treaties with them. And they, hey, we got Assyria protecting us on the north. We've got we've got our coastline, the Philistines. We're at peace with them, and we've got Egypt. and And the only real problem we have is with our own sister nation, Judah, because Judah still worships Yahweh, still worships Jehovah. And every once in a while, one of these prophets of Judah comes up here and makes a mess and stirs up all the people. There's actually a line in Hosea chapter 9. I was reading it, I was reading it uh, recently, and it says, The prophet is a fool and the spiritual man is insane. And I thought, my God, that's, that, that's, a, that's as good a description right now of how the world views the people of God. We are either fools or we're crazy. That's, that's where we stand. If you're, if you're going to stand up in this hour, and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. If you're going to stand up now as an intercessor and look at this world and call it what it is, they're going to call you a fool. Or they're going to say that you're insane. And that, and that actually comes from, uh, from Hosea chapter 9. There's, 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 there's this attitude of, of, of just, you, you, you people have no idea what you're doing. We've got it good now. Everything's going to go down. So God sends Hosea says, you think you've got it good. I'm going to show you. That's what Jezreel means. And then the, 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 the second child's name is Loamim, the third child's name is Loamna, and Loamna means not my people. He says, I'm going to show you that the children of holotry will not inherit the blessings of God. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. If we think we can mix it up with this world, if we think we can walk after the ways, whether they be the political ways or the economic ways or the social ways of that, remember we talked last week about, to, uh, about that Hiel who went back and rebuilt Jericho, even though God had said this city needs to remain a testimony and a, and a wasteland and cursed is the one who rebuilt it. There are, some, there are some people who call themselves Christians who are determined to rebuild everything that God has destroyed in their own lives, in the lives of the country, in the lives of the church. And so Hosea is sent on this mission to not only speak the word of God, but live out as an example by living with this harlot, this prostitute woman. He even later on in the story, he has to go back to the house of prostitution and buy her back. She leaves them, goes back to her prostituting ways. And, and, and God says, and God tells the Hosea, and I'm sure when, when she walked out the door, Hosea might have went, went like this. Boy, I'm glad that's over. Lord, I don't understand what that was all about, but 
you know, what's the old song? Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 sometimes it's, you got in the, what's the song sing? I can't think of the name or the singer, but the, she left them with three hungry kids and a crop in the field. You picked a fine time to leave me Lucille. That's what I was trying to think of. Boy, the brain does not work as well as it used to. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? Okay. If, if you don't know old country songs, you don't know old country songs. But there's a, a famous old country song. You picked a fine time to leave me Lucille with three hungry kids and a crop in the field. But that, that's kind of where Hosea was. He's, he's like, I'll take the hungry kids and the crop in the field as long as I don't got to put up with this woman's foolishness anymore. But God says, Hosea, I'm going to show you something. Even though she's played the harlot, he says, my goal, my aim is to redeem my wife. I'm going to bring her back. I'm going to win her love back to me. And so he sends Hosea back to the house of prostitution, and this time he has to buy her back. He has to pay a ransom. Oh, some of you are going to get this in a minute. He has to pay a ransom. He has to pay a price of redemption. He has to give something for her. And I'm telling you, church, we are coming into such a critical hour. God is tired of his church playing the harlot. Spiritual adultery is rampant in the land. God has already said, I'm cutting off everything that is coming. All of the things that you thought you were going to gain, all of the blessings and all of the profit and, and all of the things that you thought were going to come by doing it their way instead of my way. He said, not my people. I'm cutting it off. Not my people. I'm done with that. There's, there's, uh, there, there, she had been, Israel had been seduced by the promise of prosperity. There in chapter 2, it talks about how she says she has, she has taken lovers because they have supplied her with, we, we would say today, with, with, with nice presents. And there it says wool and wine and oil and all the fine things. In other words, she, she looked over there. She says, you know, if, if, if I'm with those fellas, they can really take care of me. I can live, I can live big. I can live, I can have everything that I want. Oh God, help those who have been telling a generation of Christians that they can have everything the world offers and still walk right with God. She was seduced by the promise of prosperity and power and pleasure. And God said, everything that you thought you were going to get from them, you were supposed to look to me. So I'm going to put a curse. I'm going to put a curse on the land. I'm going to put a curse on the children of adultery. I'm going to put a curse on those and everything that profits from your idolatry. And then, in cha and I'm not going to go through the whole book this morning. I'm just trying to get you to understand the, 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 the background and, and, and where Jose is coming from. He, he talks about the condition, what had been produced by this. He says there's no truth in the land. There's no mercy in the land, and there's no knowledge of God in the land. Church, I'm just going to say this very plain right now. Look at our Sunday schools. Look at our Bible studies. Look at our houses of worship. We've got more churches than we've ever had, and people know less about God than they ever did. Amen? There is no knowledge of the Lord. People have no clue what you're talking about anymore. We use all this church language we use. They don't even understand it. Redemption, sacrifice, worship, holiness, justification. They don't know what it means. 
We have raised the, we have raised the most ignorant generation in the history of the church, of its heritage, of its hope. Come on. I'm not, I, I, listen, again, this isn't about me throwing rocks at that building over there. This starts here. This starts with me. We, 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 God looks at the land and he says, you've been so enamored of what the world has, you didn't even know what you had. And because you didn't appreciate what you have, and because you didn't know what you have and you didn't value it, I'm taking it away. Where are we at? Where are we at right now? God's taking it away. Taking away all of our luxuries. Taking away all of the things that we took for granted. He's talking about his people when he says they know no restraint. That's in chapter 4. They know no restraint. They break all restraint. They do not deny themselves anything. If they feel it, they do it. If they think it, they do it. If they want it, they take it. The word no does not exist in the vocabulary of the church anymore. No longer do you hear the preacher in the pulpit saying, touch not the unclean thing. No longer do you hear the man or woman of God stand up and say, come out and be separate. Now that you can have it all, whatever you want, indulge at will. We've been, preaching a, we've been preaching a gospel for generations that tell people, on one hand, they can never lose their salvation. And on the other hand, the world and the church is the same thing. Now, this prophet was speaking 2,800 years ago, but man, he's got us nailed. That's how you know it's God. That's how you know it's God. He says, he laments, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. They're dying and they don't know they're dying. The lack of knowledge is not simply ignorance. It's not, it's not something that can be remedied by, 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 by just reading another book or, or, or even reading the Bible. The lack of knowledge is that they have no desire. The things of God have no interest for them. And then the, maybe the most, the most damning and the most condemning Statement Jose makes says, like the priest, like the people, like the people, like the priest. That even the ones who profess, even the ones who profess to be the servants of Yahweh, the the the, 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 the priests of the house of God, says they're no different than the people. Instead of calling the people back, instead of holding the people accountable, instead of saying to the people, you go that way and you bring a judgment from God on your head, they follow after them or lead them in their rebellion. So it gets all the way through now. We're through chapter 5 here, and we get to the end of it, and, and God goes and pronounces a number of things he's going to do on the land, and he closes chapter 5 here with these chilling words. This is God saying, I will return again to my place. And you say, well, that, well, that's a good thing, right? God's in his house. No, 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 no. You've got to read the context. He said, I am done. I'm going home until they acknowledge their offenses against me. Oh, church, 
Ezekiel saw it. He saw the glory depart from the house of the Lord. He saw the presence. I've been puzzled. I've been puzzled. I, I understand God has times and seasons for everything. I, I always try to get in tune to get in tune with and I'm not even talking about the Facebook prophets and the phone. I'm not even talking about those people. I, I, I give the I don't even I don't even acknowledge that anymore. But I know I'm not just speaking about myself. I'm nothing. I'm I know real, genuine heaven shakers. People whose prayers and whose faith have moved mountain after mountain after mountain, who have been moving and calling on God and, and interceding on God, and I've been so puzzled. So puzzled as how we have not even that have not even been able to slow it down. All the praying and all the prophesying and all the preaching, it's like God isn't even listening. Oh, pastor, you can't say that. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I, if I would, you know, if this was my first rodeo, I'd be. We've been through tests before. We've been through battles before. We've been through difficulties before. We've had challenges before. But this is different. God is, I, I'm not saying God is absent from the church. I don't want to go that far. But I say for whatever reason, God is withholding. He's holding back. He's saying, I've watched you play the harlot for so long. Come on. Let's be, let's, let's, can we just talk real for just a second? Just, can we boil it down? The church has had no hunger for God for a long time. We hunger for power. My God, put somebody up there who, who promises to do this or that, and, 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 and you'll get the whole church to get in the bus and go down there and vote for them. Not both sides, not taking sides. We can we can throw rocks at the or we can all oh, those liberals look what they did with the the, the ordinate, ordaining the the, the the homosexuals and and doing this and the, okay throw that rock if you want but we're no better we're no better we prostituted ourselves plenty just like everybody else the liberals weren't the one out there preaching prosperity and naming and claiming and 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 you know. Come on, that wasn't them. That was us. We're the ones who prop up these demigods and these false gods called politicians. I'm just speaking honestly. And I remember, I even preached this once a long time ago. I, you know, so it's funny the things God brings to your mind. It's really funny. I remember preaching this a long time ago. Then there's going to come a day where God's going to get tired of calling us back, calling us back, calling us back. And he's going to say, if that's what you want, here it is. And now here we are. Here we are. The same prophet, this same Hosea in chapter 8, has that most one of his most famous statements. 
He says, you sow to the wind. And now you reap the whirlwind. For a generation, we've been sowing to the winds. And now we reap. Why has God been silent? Why has God been ignoring the prayers of His people? Why has God been holding back? He says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face in their affliction. God said, I blessed you and blessed you and blessed you and all that ever got me was a corrupt, an adulterous church. A church that cared more about its politics and its power and its pleasures and its profits. So guess what? If you won't Seek me. I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm going to say this. Boy, this is going to get me in so much trouble. I'm not here in the pulpit next week. You'll know why. Help me, Holy Spirit. I wouldn't say these things. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to understand that. I'm not, you know me. I am not a rabble rouser, start, start a fire guy. That's not me. I'm a, hey, let's get along. Let's... <laughs> I'm not that guy. That's not me. But God has been messing with me so much. I just feel like if I don't say it out loud, I might, I might, I don't know what it'll do to me. We've told an entire generation they can worship their way out of all of their sin. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. What we've been doing. Amen. We used to call churches houses of prayer. Now we call them houses of worship. Is that wrong with that? No, no, they're both. They're both. But we've been telling people for a generation, hey, come in, sing some songs, shout, dance a little, jump a little, wave your hands a little, and it don't matter what you did all week, the blessings will fall. Can I read one more verse from Hosea? Can I read one more verse? Right there in chapter 6. Verse 6, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. You say, Pastor, I had no idea Hosea was so 2020. God is all time. God is eternal. The children of Israel thought as long as they included the worship of Yahweh in with all the other idolatry, they were covered. So, sacrifice, burnt offerings still went up. Priests still called on the name. They still offered the incense. And God said, I don't care about any of that. That worship, that wasn't for me. That was so you would know that I was holy. And if you've forgotten that I'm holy, then your worship doesn't mean anything anymore. I'm not saying worship's wrong. Worship, we are, we're talking about revelation, about a whole world war over worship. But we need to understand we're not worshiping our way out of this. We're not praising our way out of this. We're not shouting our way out of this. God says, 
I'm done until somebody acknowledges their offense against me. Until my people acknowledge that they have turned on me, profaned my name, blasphemed my name, corrupted my house, perverted my worship. After you're sounding like one of those Old Testament, hey, Hosea, man for our time. A man for our time. I'm not listening anymore. Because everything that comes out of your hands and out of your mouth is corrupt. It's an offense to me. But maybe if I send affliction to the land, I've marveled. I've mentioned this several times. I have marveled. Had this happened a generation, two, five, ten, twenty generations, there would have been dust and sackcloth and ashes and days of mourning and days of brokenness. And all we're doing is just running around saying, eh. thank God I don't have to go to church anymore. I can just, I said, come on, that's the attitude. I know this was the attitude. There were people of God, Pentecostal people of God, people who called themselves Holy Spirit filled people who were relieved when they had official medical permission not to have to go to God's house anymore. And you wonder why God is saying, <laughs> go ahead. Let's sing a few more songs. We can get out of this. I'm not saying going to God's house is the, the only rule. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just using that as an example. Just using it as an example. People who were worshiping in, 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 in the physical sense, but, had, but whose spirits were corrupt is really what I'm talking about. That's really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about other situations. People who were for the show, who were just showing up, to be seen. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want, I don't want anybody to take offense. I know some people would give everything in the, they have to be able to come to God's house if they could. But he's talking to a generation, and he's saying, if you would not seek me through the blessing, then maybe the affliction will turn you around. So I don't know when God's going to lift this off our land. It may be a week, a month, a year. I don't know. But I do know that at least the way it's sitting in my spirit, we have not even yet gone so far as to acknowledge the offense. We're still sitting around. Come on. We've taken no personal responsibility for what's happening to our land, our country. Amen. You got so-called Christian leaders, again, broad spectrum, not shooting at any particular organization or domination, just speaking broadly, that won't even acknowledge there's a problem. I won't even mention them, but I heard one say the other day that this is just, you know, this isn't God, this isn't judgment, this isn't, this is, you know, this business just keep going business as usual. I don't, even I don't even understand how you can read the same Bible and be full of the same spirit and have that attitude. I'm not one for panic. This is not about 
sky is falling, let's all go crawl in a cave. Although, by the way, that's in Hosea 2. He says, let the, he says they're going to get to a point where they're going to say, let's hide in the caves. Man, Hosea, boy, I tell you, he's a, he's a man for our time. Hide in your home. You know, you understand what I'm saying? The cave is your house. Hide in your house. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go out. Amen. In their affliction, they were earnest to see me. I, I know I took too long. Let me, let me, let me tell you what happens. He says, he says, but when the time comes and, and when the cry goes out, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he will heal us. I'm going to say this this way. If this was a, if this is a medical situation only, then the medical community will figure it out and move on. Whatever that is. But if this is from God, He's the only one who can undo it. Amen. Amen. So you got you got you got right now you got to kind of decide your theology. <laughs> you think this is just a natural event? This is just what happens when X amount of DNA of one virus mixes with X amount of DNA of a different virus, and this thing happens, and and, and all we got to do is just figure out the right number of chromosomes to attack and get the genetics right, and we'll just give everybody a shot when it'll be gone. If that's your mindset, and that's what you're trusting in, and you think it's just a natural thing, okay. What's of man can be cured by man. What's of nature can have a natural solution. But what's of God, if he's the one who's torn us, then he's the only one who can heal us. No amount of science and no amount of technology will be able to undo what God has done. Amen. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. And how will he do it? You see that prophecy? I'm sure you noticed it when we read it. That incredible prophecy, two days of suffering, of death, of darkness, two days of separation, isolation, two days where it seems like the world has won, evil has triumphed, but on the third day, what happened on the third day? Our solution, our cause for hope, our cause to know that God may still be on our side, even if he seems far from us, is he brought him out of the grave on the third day so that we could live in his sight. We must turn back to Jesus, to Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. We must turn back to him and him alone. He alone is our hope. He alone is our help. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of him. Church has become about everything but Jesus. Come on. I say again, general, speaking broadly over the, the, the American church. I know very little about the Caribbean church. I know very little about the European church. I know next to nothing about South America, Asia, and Africa, only what I read in the news. I cannot speak accurately or informed on any of those. I can only speak about what I see in the American church. That's all I can talk about. 
I suspect it's similar around the world because people are generally the same around the world. But I will only address the American church because we're the one that seems to be suffering. I have watched on my watch. I'm a bishop in the church of God. I've been a bishop in the church of God for 20, uh, 18 years. I've been a minister in the church of God longer than that. No, it's 20, 2,000. Well, the math isn't you know, the math isn't good to me anymore. You know, I used to tell time in the church by camp meetings, but we canceled those. So. It was 20 years ago last month at camp meeting that I was ordained a bishop of the Church of God. What a great, wonderful day! Church hasn't been the same since. So I'm past the point where I can point to the old guys. I've been here 20 years on my watch, on my watch, and my generation's watch. The American church has been about everything except Jesus Christ. We've been about buildings and programs. We've been arguing for 20 years about women and titles. I'm so sick and tired of it. We've been arguing about should they serve four years or eight years or 12 years or two years. or I just, the nonsense. Don't talk about that way about your, your own denomination, Pastor. I can't talk about anybody else. I don't know what goes on anybody else's. What I know is what I've seen. The church of God has some of the most awesome, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, Jesus-loving people I've ever seen in my life. People who would die for their faith. People who've given their life to serve the kingdom of God. People who will stand in the gap and intercede. But it's also full of a lot of nonsense. It's both. Pastors who are territorial. People who care more about their titles than their ministries. Come on. We're both. Awesome people. Best people I've ever known in my life are Church of God people. And also some of the worst. I can't speak to prophecy, brother. I, you're about the only church of God prophecy guy I've met in the last 20 years. But the rest of us, church of God, love my church, die. If they let me, I'll die a bishop of the church of God. They don't come get it. Which maybe, maybe I shouldn't put this one on the, the website. <laughs> but we've been about everything but Jesus. And God's sick of it. And God's saying, if my own son, who we sing about, who died on the cross for you, isn't enough to hold your interest, then I have nothing else for you. I've had nothing else for you. I'm tired of the great worship of the church of God when there's no mercy and there's no hunger for the knowledge of God. Don't talk to me about your worship programs and the great sacrifices and the great buildings you build. What good are those buildings doing us now? Come on. You think God's impressed? Oh, I've been to some church dedications where you'd have thought the, 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 the Solomonic uh, uh, Shekinah glory was in. And what is, that, what, what is that building worth right now when you can't even step inside of it? God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. 
We're going to understand this. I'm sorry, I'm going past time. Put up with me a minute. And I'm speaking from my heart, and I'm speaking from the Word of God. God is tired of this business. I was in, in prayer the other day. I felt this incredible, I, I can't even describe it as anything other than this incredible spirit of weariness. Weariness just flooded me. And I thought, well, it's because I've been working seven days a week. I thought it's because I can't sleep anymore because I can't roll over. I, I, I didn't know what it was. And then God said, it's not anything like that. I felt God, God was giving me the, just the, the, the thinnest slice, the thinnest possible sliver it's possible for God to share. If God shared everything with us, I'd die. But he gave me just a thin sliver slice of what he has been feeling. The spirit of weariness, and I tell you what, I just, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I, I couldn't move. I, I, I just, I, and I almost like, God, if, if, if you don't stop this, you, you will kill me. My heart's going to stop here. He's weary, church. We're not moving the needle. Again. Say it again. I'm not trying to make this about a one-topic thing. Best worship we've ever had in the history of our movement. And we're not moving the needle. If worship was the answer, we should have had this country saved, sanctified, swim with the Holy Ghost, set on fire 20 years ago. God is, is God is not saying I don't care about your worship. He does. He loves. He loves it. But He's saying your worship is worthless when it's just form, when it's just function, when it's just going through the motions. When I know your heart would really be rather be out there, and I know the things you're truly passionate about, the things you truly care about, have very little to do with me. But he said, if you'll turn back to Jesus, you will live again. You will live again. We will live again. Only piece of hope I can offer you this morning is as long as Christ remains out of that empty tomb, we have a chance, we have a hope, we have a possibility that if we put everything back on him, we will live again. If you will pursue the knowledge of him, whose going forth was established as the morning, he will come like rain, like the latter and former rains to the earth. May God, may God hear that prayer. Father, hear our prayer this morning. I can't speak for every pastor, every bishop. I can't speak for every church. I can't speak for every denomination. But I can speak for me, God. I can speak for this house. Oh, God, we acknowledge our offense. I acknowledge my offense to you, God. We acknowledge that we have not been the people, the church, the ministry you've called us to be. We acknowledge, oh God, that our pursuit of pleasure, of power, of all the things of this life is an offense to you, God. That we have been seduced and committed adultery against you, God. God. 
Oh, God. We've made it just, made such a mess out of it, God. We've made such a mess out of it, God. You're right to turn your way from us, God. You're just to deny us. You're just to refuse us. To turn the heavens into brass. The earth into iron. You're just, oh God. I cannot imagine the stake that our worship has been to you for a generation. I cannot imagine the grief in your own heart, the weariness in your own spirit, Lord. Now you poured out blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing only to see us squander and waste and to think that it was a political party or a social movement or, or some business endeavor that brought those blessings to us and not you, God. We acknowledge our offense, God. Come, let us seek the Lord. Come, let us return to Him. Come, let us return to Him. Oh, Jesus, Lord. You are our hope. You are our hope, oh God. You are our hope, oh God. How can we hope to be even even, even effective intercessors when we ourselves are compromised, God? Lord, I just pray today that whatever needs to happen will begin right here, right now, in the hearts and the minds of these people. That we, oh God, will once again seek the knowledge of the Lord. Pursue the knowledge. Yes, Lord, we understand that word knowledge is not talking about what we learn in our minds. To know means to experience intimately. To know as a personal fact, not as a theoretical. Oh God, we seek the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who rose again on the third day. In our affliction, we seek your face. You are our hope. You are our help. Without you, Lord, there is no hope for us. And if there's no hope for your people, oh God, what will become of this world? What will become of this world, Lord? Father, we stand together today. each one of us personally and us as a body corporately and say we are returning to the Lord our God. We reject all of these idols, all of these things, these distractions, these things that waste our time and resource and energy. Oh God, today we return to you in our heart, in our soul, we line our lives up with you, O oh God. The priorities of our life, the priorities of our home, of our community, of our jobs, 
of our finances, of every aspect of our social and, 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 and political and personal life, God. We bring it under you. God, if there's going to be a turnaround, if it's not already too late, we must acknowledge our offense and seek your face. But Lord, you promised. You said to those that you were cutting off, you said to those that you were going to say, not my people. Oh, Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, how terrifying it is to hear those words. How terrifying it is for the possibility to come, that that day will come when you will look upon us and say, Not my people. Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord, don't ever let me hear those words. Don't ever let us hear those words. We cling to the promise that the same one who said you are not my people is the same one who said, I will say to those who are not my people, you are now the sons of the living God. Your church has failed you, God. Your priests, your prophets are fools. The priests are insane. Those who claim to be spirit-filled are mad. We've lost our way. And not only are we paying the price for it in the house of God, but the land all around us is paying a price for it. So God, I pray. I pray today that we would seek again the one who rose again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are the only priority that matters. We ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.